You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hello and welcome. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Whether you're watching when we're premiering this on Facebook or YouTube together, or if you're catching the podcast or listening on our website later, maybe driving in your car, wherever you're at, however you're watching and listening, we're just so thankful to have you here with us today. Now, last week, I told you that we were wrapping up a series called Under God. And really, I lied to you. I know what you're thinking. The pastor lied to us? Well, yes, I did. But hear me out. I just really felt as I was praying this week that this is something we needed one more talk on this series. Because I don't know if you've heard, but there's something really big coming up on Tuesday. It's election day, and it just felt like there was just one more thing, just a few more things I think really will help us close out this series, taking a look at what it looks like in this political climate with everything going on in an election year, how we as Christ followers should respond and engage with the world and culture around us. So I just want to take this out there. I know this is not going to be an easy message, but I'm just going to put this out there for us. It's going to be really challenging. This is really challenging for me, so I'm hoping that it will be challenging for you as well. And this weekend, I want to remind us something that's a universal truth that you probably learned when you were a kid, and probably your parents taught you this as an early age, and I know in my home this is something that comes up often. See, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. And if you have kids, you know this has come out of your mouth before, because you, you teach your kids, you want them to know that, hey, you can't control everything that comes at you, and if your kids have siblings, you know this is true. Hey, I can't control how your sibling responds to you, what they do to you, how they instigate you, how they poke you, how they touch you, look at you the wrong way, touch your toy, whatever it is, but you can control how you respond. You got to take ownership of your response. And you know, in my household, we've got four girls and so you know, parenting is a challenge. It can be crazy at times, but I I get it. I identify because even when I was growing up, I was one of five kids. And so we would hear things all the time like, he started it. And the parents would respond then, why don't you finish it? Because some of you are like, you're already ahead of me. You know exactly where we're going with this. And it's true, right? He started it. Well, you could go ahead and finish it. And what does that mean? That just simply means that I can't control what happens to you, but you can control your response. And we get that as kids. And I, I love what Chuck Swindoll said. And he's a pastor, advancing his years, a lot of wisdom, a lot of life lived. And here's what he has to say. He says that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% of us reacting to it. So 10% of life is just simply what happens to us and 90% of life is how we react to that 10% that happens to us. And how true is that? We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it. Now, friends, I really think that there's a lot at stake for us this week. There's a lot of stake in our nation and in our world. I believe that there's much at stake for our cities, for our state, and even our country. But I believe that even bigger than all of this, there is something at stake that maybe you don't even realize. Something even bigger than the outcome of a political election. See, I believe this week the reputation of Jesus and us as the church, his bride, the bride of Christ, that our reputation is at stake as well. That I think even beyond what is at stake for what's going to happen in the outcome of this election, of who's in office and who's not, and what political agenda gets put through, that as much as it's at stake, and there is a lot at stake, I'm not trying to belittle any of that, but there's something bigger than at stake for us as a church. 
See, regardless of what happens on Tuesday, there are going to be a lot of opinionated, loud, vocal people, and they're going to be sounding off in every conceivable direction we can imagine. And that much will be true. And we as Christians, we're going to have to decide if we're going to have an opportunity to get pulled into the middle of that negativity and opinion, and if we're not careful, we'll get sucked right into it. We'll, just as Christ followers, we'll be casting stones, we'll be calling people names, we'll be saying a lot of hot-headed things and not quite thinking through our reactions and certainly not doing them in a loving and honorable way. And before we know it, we can find ourselves focusing on opinions that don't matter and fights that can't possibly be won in the comment section on social media. Friends, we have to be careful and we have to be intentional about our reactions, our attitudes, and our interactions with others. Here's what we know. We can't control what happens to us. We can only control how we respond. And even as as true as we were kids, it's true now for us as adults. Even in this political landscape, even with everything going on, even with all that's on the line in this political cycle, that we cannot control the outcome. We can't decide who it is. Now, we would like to, right? We'd like to control what happened. We'd like to control and say this is who's going to be in office, but we can't. We can't control it. We can only control our response. And how do we respond as Christ followers? And I believe this is true, that how we respond is in direct correlation to our relationship and our submission to God. Even as the series was called Under God, are we truly going to be under God? Because how we respond to others, how we respond when this thing is all over, when the chips all settle, when every vote is cast, when every ballot is in, when everything has been decided upon, how we respond will be in direct correlation to if we are truly submitted and living under God, the God who is in control. He's in control, that he knows the results. He's not shocked by them. And we have to decide, are we going to be under God? I believe that God has a way for us as Christ followers to live and to be in our world this week. I know this can be a little challenging as we unpack this. And some of you might be thinking as we get started in this, you're like, well, I'm a teenager, so, so I don't count. You're like, I'm not into that whole political thing, you know, so I, you know, I, therefore I could probably just tune out and turn this message off. You're like, I, I can't stand politics. I want nothing to do with it. I've thrown in the towel. I'm just staying out of it. And I, I just flat out don't care. And I just want to let you know that no matter where you find yourself, can I encourage you that you matter more than you realize? You need to be in this world. We've unpacked this over the last couple of weeks that, friends, we don't run from culture. We influence it. That we are ambassadors of Christ. That you need to be in this world because God cares about you and he cares about humanity. And because he cares about other people, we also need to care about God's creation. Other people in this world. So today, two days before the election, two days before emotions rise and tempers flare and God knows what else is said and put out there, today before opinions run wild and the world just gets painted in every possible shade of red and blue, I just want to give us just three responses for us as Christ followers. If you are following after Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've surrendered your life to Him. If you are all in, God, you are following Him with everything that you've got. That you've said yes to a relationship with Jesus and you want to live and serve and honor Him. I think these are three responses for us who have said yes to Jesus to have during this time. The first one is this. We must stay in love. We must stay 
in love. What does that mean, Brian? We have to like stay in love with our spouse and our kids. <laughs> Let me go there for a second. We must stay in love. See, the Apostle Paul, he gave us as Christians very clear guidelines how we're supposed to conduct and live our lives in a world that is divided and at odds with itself. Now, I know this might seem hard to believe, but the, the, the odds that we're facing now, the difficulties we're facing as a culture, this is nothing new in the world. Matter of fact, as long as there's been human history, there has been conflict. As long as there have been governments, there have been people who have had disagreeing opinions. Matter of fact, even before governments were formed, people did not always agree. And this is something that Paul writes to the people at that time in the book of the Bible, encouraging them. And here's what I think is fascinating, that this applies maybe more now than ever before, at least in my lifetime. And take a look what he says in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 10. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Oh, he's already setting the bar kind of high there, right? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. In verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. See, Paul himself said it, bless and do not curse those who persecute you. Yeah, he's saying, don't cuss that person out. Better not put that middle finger out. Better rethink that and bless that person. Bless the person who makes you mad. And Paul continues, it doesn't get any easier from there. Starting in verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. That's pretty easy. Mourn with those who mourn. Okay, we could do that. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And then finally in verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oh man, this is where Paul right here could just drop the mic and walk out, right? This is some of the most challenging passages of scripture that I have personally read and known that as Christ followers, as people who are following after Jesus, these are instructions that Paul is giving to people who have said yes to Jesus. Now this is a really tall order and I could just, you know, end right now, say the prayer, roll credits, get Garrett back out of here, we'll sing a song and we're done. That could be enough just to digest that, just even to be able to live a fraction or a small percent of everything that's laid out here in this one passage of the book of Romans. But I think this is really important for us to get today that we must stay in love. We must not overcome, be overcome by evil, but we must overcome evil with good. See, I don't know if you did sports when you were growing up, and I know for you this might be surprising, but I wasn't the most athletic kid out there. I know you're seeing, you know, see my athletic physique and build and cut, and you're like, Brian, surely you were just really gifted. I know I wasn't. Um, I got the good looks, but the athleticism just didn't, just didn't come. Okay, maybe I didn't get any of that either. Just a little bit of confidence. But anyway, um, I just wasn't really into the sports scene, but I know a lot of friends were, and, and you know, family members, and being around that, and, um, you know, we tried soccer with our daughters once when she was like four years old 
four-year-old and four-year-old girl soccer somebody that that takes some patience to coach right there but something that they teach you and drill in you in sports from a young age is that it's not how you win that says about your character what shows your true character is when you lose it's not about being a sore loser that's something they want to help you learn in that in that sporting arena because that's a big lesson in life it's not your character that's really shown through when you win what shows your character is how you handle being the loser how you handle not being a winner and that's something we've really got to get in our life today that no matter what side wins whether the person you want wins or the person that you want loses no matter where you are in that spectrum no matter what happens our attitude is of the paramount importance it shows our character and it's so important that our language our words and our posts, they honor Jesus so much more than a political persuasion or affiliation in this week. It is so important that in every arena, with our family, in our schools, in our workplace, and even on our social media posts, wherever it is that you live, whether we win or lose, friends, I am imploring you to stay in love. What will not honor God is a bunch of Christians who are just going out there blasting the other side, blasting their opponents, just running over everyone and other things and everything in the media and the whole process and everything else and just casting stones and just telling everyone what terrible persons and how the world in America is going to hell because that's not the person who's supposed to be in office. That is not what's going to honor God. What will make an impact is when the world sees us, the bride of Christ, followers of Jesus, disciples of him, when they see us responding in grace and in love and in honor towards all of those who are involved in this election. Friends, that will make the difference. So how how do we do that? How do we even begin to do that? Brian, I hear you. How do we do that? Well, maybe instead of debating with a friend, just truly pray for them. Bless them and honor them. Maybe instead of hating on people with different views, maybe go out of your way to show some empathy and and listen to their viewpoint. Listen to their side. Get to know their story, how they came to those conclusions because it's someone that God created and loved even if we don't agree with them. It's still God's creation, someone that God cares and loves deeply. And sometimes, friends, honestly, one of the most loving things that we can do is say less and listen more. For some of us, that might be the hardest thing that I said today in the whole message, but it's true. Sometimes that's the most loving response that we can have. Because friends, it's not always about being right. We always have to be loving. And in the midst of all of this, parents, can I remind you that your kids are watching? They're listening to the words that are coming out of your mouth. They see the attitudes of your heart and how you posture yourself towards people who you disagree with. Young adults, your friends are watching your response and how you react and interact with people. The things that you like and share and comment on in social media, they're watching. Friends, the world is watching and all of us, no matter where we are in that spectrum, we must stay in love. The second one is this. We must trust in God's sovereignty. Friends, we have got to trust in God's sovereignty 
Now, I know that's something that's not going to be easy, and that's something that's really difficult, but for some of us, in the next seven days, it's really going to test our trust in the sovereignty of God. Why? Because you can't imagine that God would let that other candidate win, the person that it is that you disagree with, the person that you don't want to win this election. See, in this, it's going to be a challenge for some of us because everyone can't win. Not everyone's candidate is going to win. There's going to be a lot of people disappointed on one side or the other. And how do I know that? Because you've probably been praying for the candidate that you want to win. You've been praying that, God, let your will be done. And you believe that candidate. You believe what they stand for. And you believe that they are godly and even possess God's will for where we're supposed to go as a nation. So let me ask you this. If you're a Christ follower, if the person that you want, the person you were pulling for, praying for, rooting for, electing for, Trump, you know, putting them out there, putting the, um, trumpeting it out there, putting your flags outside, putting the, on your car, your banners, on your social media is now your meme, right? It's everything that you do. It's out there all the time. Let me ask you this. If that person doesn't win, all the person that you have the faith and hope to lead this country, what happens if they don't win? Where does that leave you? Where does that leave your trust and who God is and his sovereignty, that he was on the throne before this election happened and that he'll be on the throne even after it happens. See, friends, because in the midst of this, here's what we've got to understand, that the answer is not politics. The answer is Jesus. The answer to a broken world is Jesus. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't go out and vote. You should. Do your civic duty. Go out and vote. Go and research and find who is the most person, the candidate who aligns with the most biblical values. Do that. Research. Read the Bible, what it has to say. Apply them to those policies and those beliefs and those things that that person stands for. But at the end of the day, we just don't know what God's plan is. It's so easy to assume or presume on God with our human intellect. And, and I get it. I've been there plenty of times. There have been so many times where I assumed I knew God's will. I'm like, surely this is what God's trying to do in my life. Surely this is what God's trying to do in those relationships. Surely this is what God's trying to line up and, and make happen. And I've missed it because I don't fully understand everything that God knows. But can I remind you today that Jesus, he's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not a libertarian. We're a green party. If Jesus is anything, he's independent. All right, it's a little bit of a joke there, right? Someone's like, hey, he is aligned with me. But he is the king over a greater kingdom. Matter of fact, greater than America or than any political party within it. That our hope is in Jesus. And Jesus doesn't align with a political affiliation. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the reigning and ruling one over all. He is our hope, our savior for the world, Jesus. This is who our hope is in, not in a politician. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Well, what does that mean? It means that there are some people, think about it in biblical times, horses and chariots. These were things that showed military might. These are people who showed and defended their nation, their beliefs. These are the people who went to war and battle. There was might in those physical earthly things. And the psalmist is saying, hey, some people trust in that. Some people trust in political power. Some people trust in military might, but we're going to trust in in the name of our God. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, So we fix our eyes, not what is, on, what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Friends, if we don't put our hope here on earthly things, even beyond politics and, and our resources and our job and our finances and our intellect, that's not what we put our faith and our trust in. That's not what we're fixing our eyes. We're putting our eyes and fixing our hope, our faith, our trust in what is unseen. And that is our God. 
that He is sovereign. And sometimes we've got to remember that God does some of His best work in hostile and adverse times. And we see this all throughout the Bible, that there are times that God will allow an ungodly and unholy ruler. Why? Because sometimes God's best work happens when things are not going great. Matter of fact, God allowed Pharaoh to rule, Pharaoh's to rule for over 400 years. Why? To show that he was going to deliver his people from Egypt, showed up in a mighty way and delivered them from generations long oppression. But God allowed that to happen. God allowed King Herod during Jesus' time, someone who was not a great king, someone who was not following after God, but he had to allow him to be king so that Jesus could come and be born in Bethlehem and fulfill all the promises and prophecies speaking of the Messiah that was coming and that wouldn't have happened had he not been positioned under a terrible earthly leader at that time. There was another awful king, Nebuchadnezzar from Babylonia, and he was just, he was a Babylonian king and just terrible person. He just totally messed with the people of God. He, he destroyed their towns, destroyed their nation, destroyed their culture, and even tried to destroy their belief in following after God and their faith in the one true God. He sent them into exile, did all kinds of terrible things, and God allowed this. Why? So God's people, like heroes in the faith, like Daniel, could stand up for their faith in God and be tested and thrown into a lion's den and not be consumed because God showed himself faithful in that difficult time. Or the free three Hebrew brothers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would not bow their knee to King Nebuchadnezzar, but instead would only bow to the one and true God. And he was thrown into a fiery furnace. And the Bible tells the story, and they're thrown in, and they are not consumed by the fire. And the king can't get over it. His mind is blown. But this not would have happened. These people wouldn't have experienced and encountered these amazing testimonies and stories, the heroes and the faith that we have in the Bible, had they not been through difficult and adverse times. And and over and over in scripture, God allowed adverse political conditions. Why? So that people would become desperate and turn towards him. That's a pretty deep thought. That God allowed this adversity to happen. Why? So that people would get their eyes off the natural. They would get their eyes off the scene and say, you know what? I'm not going to put my faith and hope and trust in this anymore. I'm now going to put my faith and trust and be desperate for God to intervene in my life and my situation. Friends, we are not promised peaceful circumstances in our world. We are only promised that the God of peace will be with us no matter what. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter who holds political office, no matter who's the winners and who's the losers, God says no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, that He will never leave us, He will never forsake us, and that He will be with us. In the book of James, chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wait, hold up. Consider it pure joy when I face trials of many kinds? Who is this guy kidding? Like, it things like anytime we read more scripture, could it get any more challenging in this message today? Oh, it can. Buckle up, baby. We're going there. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Friends, there is times where God will allow us to go through adverse situations. Why? Because he hates us once to fail? No, because he knows 
knows going through that testing, going through that difficulty, facing the adversity, think of it just like working out a muscle, that it takes building that resistance to build that muscle and build the strength in your body. It's when the muscle loses and it atrophies, you just sit there in your couch potato that you don't build any strength. It's only when you put your body through difficult, adverse tasks that you begin to build that strength and be able to build the perseverance. And the Bible is telling us the same thing is true in our lives to the point that we should consider it joy. Now, it might feel like for me, that's going a little far, but hey, don't get mad at me. That's what the Bible says, that we should be thankful for going through those difficult times. And this year has been a crazy one with all the coronavirus stuff going on, with all the racial unrest, and now the election. It has been a test of our faith. We have really had to build some endurance. And friends, if I can be honest, Many people have fallen away from their faith in Jesus. Many people have fallen away from their faith in God. The stats and statistics for church attendance now in our country, they're abysmal. It's terrible. Even as churches opened up, very few people have gone back. We don't exactly know where people are in their faith if they're really following after God anymore. But here's what's really encouraging is that many people have come to new faith. Many people have persevered and you're allowing God to mature you. And if I can just encourage you today, if I can just be your, your cheerleader for a moment and just encourage you to keep persevering, to keep pushing through. I don't know what the adversity is that you're facing in your life. I don't know what it is that you feel that you can't overcome and you can't do one more rep. You can't work that muscle out anymore. If I can just encourage you to stay in the game, to not quit, that God is with you, that he didn't leave you, he didn't abandon you, he didn't walk out and leave you on your own. He's been with you every step of the way. Keep going. Keep pushing through. There is a deeper trust that was required. And friends, and know that when you get through the other side, that God will be there with you and he will bless you and you will find the endurance and the new life that comes from that. But we've got to trust in God's sovereignty, that he's got this no matter what happens. The third one is this. Third and final point, we must stay focused on building God's kingdom. We must stay focused on building God's kingdom. What does that mean? See, I could build my kingdom. I could build Brian's kingdom. And that's the easy thing. That's making it all about me, my comfort, my preferences, what I want, the things that I want to do in life, the things I want to accomplish, even good things, you know, things that career and ambition and, and finances, all those things, those are all great things. But see, it becomes a problem when I'm only pursuing and building my kingdom. God desires that we build his kingdom to reach people who are far from him, to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Christ, that that's what we are supposed to do. And regardless of who wins this election, our purpose in life, it remains the same. And at Treeline Church, no matter who wins this election, our purpose will remain the same. That we exist to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus gave us a commandment himself. He said, hey, if you're my follower, here's something I'm going to tell you to do. Matthew 28, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love this. That Jesus tells us, hey, here's what you're supposed to do. If you're following me, go make disciples. Teach them how to follow me. And then he gives this promise right at the end because he knows this isn't going to be easy. He says, I am with you even to the very end of the age. Don't quit. Keep persevering. Keep pushing in. It will not be easy. This will not be an easy task to accomplish, but keep going for it. 
See, this great commission that Jesus gave us, he wasn't talking to a few church leaders and pastors and vocational ministers and people who were supposed to know the Bible and be professional Christians. No, 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 no. He was talking to every person who is a follower of Jesus. So if you just said yes to Jesus this last week, congratulations, welcome aboard. This is now your mission in life to tell other people about Jesus. This is every single one of us as Christ followers. Friends, this is our highest aim and our purpose on life. Beyond anything else that we are or do, the labels, the hats that we wear, friends, this is what God has called us to do. See, friends, it's going to be a crazy couple of days, isn't it? Aren't you thankful we have Jesus? And see, when Wednesday morning comes, we will wake up and these three things will be true. Number one, Jesus is still our resurrected King and heaven awaits us. Aren't you thankful for that? Number two, God's word will still be true. It's not going to change and that he has a good plan for your life, that he has purpose for you no matter who it is that wins this election. And number three, our mission will still be about winning people to Jesus. These three things will still be true no matter who wins the election. Our focus is building his church, building his his kingdom, reaching people who are far from him, his creation that he loves. See, friends, our sure foundation is Jesus. He is the answer to our hurting and broken and fractured world. If the next seven days go and like anything like people are thinking they're going to go, there's going to be a whole lot of hurting, a lot of broken, confused, and disillusioned people in our nation. But can I just tell you the good news today? And I hope this gets you excited. Friends, we have the answer and his name is Jesus. Our purpose is going to be make sure that they see and hear a Jesus that is attractive to them in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their despair, their hopelessness, their confusion, whatever emotion it is that they're feeling, that they can see a little bit. Remember, we started all the way back in week one that we are Christ's ambassadors, that we don't represent ourselves. We are representing presenting the world to the world, Jesus, that we are his ambassadors telling the good news of who he is. And with this in mind, here's my appeal to us as followers of Jesus. If you're following after him, this is my appeal to you. May at the end of this week, that people would say, wow, he is so positive. Or wow, how, how is she so filled with hope? I know they don't believe like I do, but they sure do seem like they really care about me. Friends, that is what will be attractive to a broken and hurting and lonely world. Not a bunch of Christians who are upset and frustrated and hating on everyone and canceling everyone that we disagree with or the process or how it all works or shakes out or goes down. That is not what's gonna be attractive to the world around us. As we conclude today, I have to ask you this. Whose way are we living for? Whose truth are we living for? Whose life are we living for? Remember we talked about it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whose will will we be about this week? Ours or our Heavenly Father's? Friends, let's be about Jesus' way. That he is the way, he is the truth, that he is the life, and that he is in control no matter what happens, no matter who wins, no matter who loses, no matter what things look like. On Wednesday morning, our God is in control. And as we release our control to him, he will fill us with his life. Would you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, we just come before you. And first and foremost, Lord, I just want to pray for our nation. Lord, there's been so much division. There's been so much anger, so much hatred. And God, if I can just even take a moment and just repent on behalf of your followers who have not done such a great job in representing you during this time. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't run from culture and God, that we wouldn't hate on culture, but that we would influence it for you. And God, that we would stay in love. God, that we would continue to trust your sovereignty, that no matter what, that you are in control. God, I pray that you would help us, even at an individual level, with our responses, with how we treat and react to others. God, how we handle disappointment, whether our candidate wins or loses. God, that we would be Christ followers first and foremost and recognize that we need to be on mission, continuing to reach people for you. God, I just pray for whoever it is that takes office, whoever it is that continues from the presidential race all the way down to local local government. God, I pray for every person, every man, every woman, God. Lord, that you would just lead them, that you would give them wisdom. God, that you would protect our nation. God, that you would give us wisdom. And most of all, for us as Christ followers, God, that we would realize that we're living for you and putting you first before anything else. Jesus, I thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Friends, I thank you so much. I know that's a difficult one. I hope you felt challenged. If you didn't feel challenged on this message today, might want to check your pulse, make sure you've got one, because I know that's really challenging for me. There's something in there for every single one of us that is incredibly challenging. Let's find out what that is and begin to live that and be a witness for Christ in our families, in our workplace, our schools, in our neighborhood. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're so thankful that you're here with us today. We look forward to connecting with you again real soon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.